How's it yeah. going? It's going all right. Yeah? Busy. Yeah? Still, yeah, I teach, like, super busy with work and stuff? Yeah, I teach, uh, train, or I train tour guides for two yeah. hours every Thursday. Oh, I didn't realize it would take that long. Every uh-huh. I guess that makes sense. What is it? So is it, uh, training the same group every week? Yeah. Huh. We just started this quarter. Okay. So we just started today. It was the first day. Yeah. So we just went over to like introductions and shit. How long does that, or like how long do you have to keep doing that? All quarter. So through June. Wow. Yeah. Wow. 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 Well, I don't know where Mikey is. I don't know. Are you uh you recording? I am. Wow. I'm wow. playing I'm playing into the breach. Wow, just like last time. Yeah. I haven't thought about that game once. What do you mean? In a while? Since we since since before, yeah. Oh. Yeah, I uh I think I'm picking up the same game that I played last time, which is the um I started a hard mode, like a hard run. Yeah. And the first island was challenging, but I didn't lose too much. And now I'm in this uh, prickly situation right now. Um, yeah. That I'm not sure I can get out of. It's like the first mission on the new island. And it's the easier one because, you know, some of them you can like, you can select the mission that's like, oh, yeah, the buildings have shields in this one. Yeah. Um, that's what I did. But it's proving to be difficult. Um. What have you been gaming? We, this is not going to be in the actual show, I don't think. Oh. But I'm just curious. Well, I mean, maybe uh, it I is. I'll edit it together. Well, <laughs> uh, I've been playing a bit of Dragon Quest Builders. Oh yeah, trying try to get back into it. Yeah, but I started. We started a weekly, or maybe like even a twice a weekly, twice a week playthrough of uh, Divinity with like Tom and Andrew and Paul. Cool. <clears throat> so we've played twice now. Which has been really fun, yeah. Um, and we're just kind of going with going with like what works for uh, for availability, and just trying to play a couple hours every couple days. Yeah, that's kind of uh, cool to do a uh, for a game like that. You guys playing together like co op and stuff. Yeah, it's cool to it's a cool way to do it. Just to like schedule a time where it's like this is when we meet, and just like, kind of stick to that. Kind of like playing <clears throat> World of Warcraft or like a Dungeons and Dragons thing, yeah. Yeah, that's cool. So much has come out. It's almost it's been like what three weeks, three or four weeks already. I think the last one you put out so. was March 9th or something. Yeah, I still want to play Far Cry. Yeah, I don't shoot the men. Yeah, it's like I know it'd be fun, but I uh, there's something about it that I'm not super into. It's just not. Is it weird? <laughs> It's very weird. They're taking great chances with their like formulaic shooty game. Yeah. Yeah. Climb towers and yeah. Discover the world. So weird, dude. I love it. Um, I love I start, it. I, I love it. You want to hear about a weird Ubisoft game? This is actually weird in my opinion. Yeah. Is uh, Assassin's Creed Rogue. You, you haven't been playing that, yeah. I have been playing that. It's like they like it. Um. Yes and no. It it feels like it's basically just Assassin's Creed Four again. Um, Not what everybody wants. Kinda, I guess. But like, all the problems with Assassin's Creed Four that have since fixed with 
more recent Assassin's Creed games, like uh, this is just anecdotal because I haven't played any of them. But like I've heard traversal has gotten a lot better. Like you don't get as stuck on geometry in the new ones. Right. In this one, it's just kind of like I don't know. You can tell that it was the last one built for the PS3 and 360 generation, even though it looks really good on a PC. Like it still has those trappings. Like right. The um, yeah, like, collisions all off. Combat feels a little weird. Um, but it's cool. Like I like the boat mechanics a lot. And I think I was telling you when we were gaming a couple weeks ago that like the story is just so like deep and like far up its own ass because it's still trying to continue like stuff from four and I think unity or something. I don't know, but it's a, I just don't even pay attention. I I might actually just start skipping cutscenes because they're just like saying a bunch of proper nouns and I have like, I cannot follow it. I have no (laughs) idea what's going on. Um, I know that eventually I'm going to become a Templar. You start as an assassin, but I'm going to become a Templar. Right. That's the whole. That's the whole shtick. That's the whole shtick. Shtick. And that you know that whips ass compared to other Assassin's Creed premises. Yeah. You know what? It does oh, whip whips ass. ass. It whips ass. Are you just gonna? Is that like your way of making fun of me? Because my wife thinks it's weird that I say that. I I think it's funny. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm okay with that. Um, in then, Divinity, though, I'm playing a, uh, I am playing a, like a, a huntsman, essentially, with necromancer powers. Mm-hmm. And that is, I think, one of the coolest parts of that game is you just can kind of, like, create a class, create whatever you want out of it. And Wait, so, so say it again, you're, you're, a, you're a what? So she, like, my character is a girl. She uses uh-huh. a, a crossbow, and she has, like, ranged attacks. And she also has necromancer powers. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I'm, I can't like raise like a skeleton or anything, but I could like turn bodies into like, like piles of guts essentially. Whoa. And then, and then they like blood, I forget what they call them. Like they're just like blood masses that just like crawl around and can blow up. That's crazy. That sounds really she cool. Has this, like, yeah. It's just kind of like a random thing that I was like, yeah, I'll just, do both of these. It sounds fun. So it's been pretty cool. While like uh, like Andrew is playing a more traditional rogue, and Paul is playing like a fire mage, a fire mm-hmm. wizard, and Tom is playing kind of like a, I think it's just kind of a tank, like just this, like a sword and shield guy. Nice. Yeah, it's been pretty that, cool. That is really cool. Um, is it fun? Like, aside from the powers and stuff, are you enjoying yourself? Like, are you paying attention yeah. to the narrative at all, or is it more just about hanging out with your friends? I think it's more about hanging out with my friends. Like, we try yeah. to, like, we try to do, we try to follow the narrative pretty well. However, um, some the the way, the game is so um, non-linear and, like, doesn't hold your hand at all to the point that you can just split the party and be doing things. And that's just, like, something that you have to keep in mind. So someone could have, be having a conversation with an important story character, and you could be all the way across the map somewhere else. And then they get into a huh. fight, and everybody run, runs to the fight, <laughs> or doesn't. You could like totally ignore a fight. That's kind of cool. Uh, yeah, that it's so, open like that. Uh huh. Yeah. So I've played previous campaigns with other people, and the thing that ruined it for me is one person that I played with one time was doing a lot of stealing from NPCs, and mm. that pisses them off. Yeah. 
So um, you need to like be very strategic about who you want to steal from if you want to steal. Right. And so at one point we like pissed off this entire town and like we had like a fight against 13 people and just had to give up and like restart the save. But yeah. we've been doing a lot more. Um, we've been doing a lot more. Uh, I don't know. We've just been playing it a lot more strategically and not being as shitty. Yeah. Um, what does that play most like? Is it like a Diablo style point and click hack and slash, or is it more like Dragon Age or or what? It's more like Dragon Age. It's it's honestly it's very similar to playing a uh, to playing like a game of Dungeons and Dragons in that you um, you you like have initiative and action points that you can use per turn and each ability or each thing you each action action you have may or may not use action points or may use more or less than others yeah and so it's it's just very strategic everyone goes in a specific order and the thing that makes it stand out from a lot of other games is it's got that turn-based rpg stuff but also the environments are super destructible Mm -hmm. and there are a bunch of different types of environmental like area of effect abilities area of effect uh i guess just environments is the best word i can use it so for example like you could be on a beach where the there's like water on the ground and then you could electrify the water or you could melt like or evaporate the water with fire or you could kill an enemy in the water and the water becomes blood and then you can like light the you can like use fire on the blood and the blood becomes like a mist and all those have like different uh like interact with the world in different ways yeah and so if you're like a necromancer you can like stand in the blood and heal if you have an ability that like allows you to like electrify water, you can stun enemies. That's cool. So yeah, you just be super aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Huh. That would make me, that actually makes me more interested. Cause like I liked the dragon age origins. I feel like dragon age origins is the, of the three dragon age games is the most like one to one to that. Um, yeah. Cause it, I remember like kind of had like a task system for each of your NPC, like your, uh, your team members where you'd like tell them what to do and it's kind of turn based and stuff like that. Um, yeah. But like it's, and it's, it's it felt okay. it got really stale for me. I, I was playing it for the narrative more than the uh combat. But like having I, you know uh environmental stuff kind of changes it up a little bit. It does. And I would say it feels most similar to you uh slowing Dragon Age down and playing it like turn by turn. Mm-hmm. Uh interesting. And so because there's no like real-time action combat it's all just yeah. that strategy didn't um kotor sort of play that way too yeah very much like kotor except uh with kotor like you have to like pause and unpause yeah the combat oh. with this it's just like a turn-based like a final fantasy almost see that sounds kind of good i would i would play yeah that. you could, you could just delay the game for as long as you want it kind of like i mean in, on, on a very base level like into the breach and that like you know, whoa you just like do your turn you just plot out your turns and yeah Huh. Yeah, except except it's not like you your turn their turn. It's like this character and then this character and then this character. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. Um, yeah. Oh, hey, Mikey. Hello, Mikey. Hi, I'm back from watching My Hero Academia for the how was that time the new season? No, that's still like a next weekend, I believe. Mm. Um. No, I'm rewatching season two for like the sixth time. Nice. Uh, I was just about to say that I picked up XCOM two on PC. Yes. Um, I got it for thirty bucks through a site called Fanatical, which used to be called Bundle Stars, I think. Wow. They run 
they run um they run like super limited sales on PC downloads. And not every publisher is on board, but like 2K and is it some a, Bethesda stuff is on there. Mm-hmm. Is it a gray market kind of thing? I don't. Well, I hope not. <laughs> uh, my, <laughs> I see the uh, I see the posts on Cheap Ass Gamer on their Twitter, and I feel like they um they would probably use that. They that probably wouldn't. Someone. They probably wouldn't link to gray market stuff. Right. I would hope not. Yeah. Um. So anyway. Started a new campaign in XCOM 2, War of the Chosen. And uh, the War of the Chosen is an expansion that came out late last year. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, that introduces a new enemy faction and then a whole bunch of new ways that, like, totally change the uh, things that you do in XCOM. Like, the missions are totally different. Like, you get different resistance factions that join you and they have, like, competing um, goals with one another. So they don't always align one to one. But, like, right. you can send them out on missions because remember Assassin's Creed 2 when you'd send out dudes to like do recruiting missions and they'd come back yeah. with resources. Yeah. You yeah. kind of do that in XCOM now, which I think oh, is okay. really cool. Your your soldiers don't get experience or anything as far as I can tell, so you lose them for your main missions, but like uh just that idea of like you're having a larger effect on the world than just like your one ship doing one thing at a time, you know? Right. Right. Um so that's super cool. You get rewards from that. Uh the new missions one thing in particular that I want to talk about was like one of the missions where you first meet the two resistance factions that you want to unite and kind of get to agree on one on another with one another. Um, they introduce this new like zombie type enemy called the Lost, I think, and they're just like husks of humans. They're kind of they've done enemies like this in the past, but they they move a lot faster. Like they can cover cover more spaces um, in a single turn. But what's cool is if you every shot that you land on them. You're basically aiming for the head all the time in fiction. And you if you get a headshot, your character gains another action point. And because they're so low on HP, they they bump up the you'll you'll sometimes see like seven or eight of them coming at you at a time. Uh so it's like really stressful, especially because they seem to be pairing them with ones where like, okay, your group's right here, but you need to go across the map for extraction. But there's these swarms of zombies that are coming at you that are attracted to loud noises, kinda like, you know, most zombies. Uh-huh. Anyway. So it creates this really cool flow of like, um, if you're within sight, popping off one headshot and then you immediately doing it another, then immediately pulling off another like over and over and over again, which is so rare in XCOM because like you typically do like, okay, I'm going to move here, shoot, and then turns over. But to get each character doing more stuff and like kind of racking up a little bit of XP with each kill, it's so rewarding and it's super tense because like there's that sort of give and take. It's like, okay, do I try to take out like three or four of these knowing that some could miss or do I like kind of try to push farther away so they can't reach me. Um, so far that's been really fun. Uh, what else is there? What else is new? Oh, I have a complaint actually about the game. Um, Hit me. Oh, do you? Well, I love XCOM, but like this I'm is something that I felt. Spicy takes. <laughs> I've, I felt this way for a while with two and one a little bit, but like that game. Drag them. That game introduces so much in rapid succession, like sure. in the at least early on, like you're, you know, like you do the main mission, you get back to base, and they're introducing characters, and then you like, you know, you exit out of the cutscene or whatever, and you try to go to a different section of the ship, and they show you another cutscene, and then you try to go to the bridge to like select a mission, and then there's like missions and systems and cutscenes and 
and other shit just like popping off like immediately after one another and you'll you'll get seemingly high high priority missions and then you like you there's this mechanic where you have like a scan for resources or something and you're like yeah okay i'm gonna make contact with this region and it's gonna take six days and it's like super important so i you know fly over there i start scanning and then halfway through uh emit like a very high stress mission pops up across the country so i have to fly over there and take care of this mission and i fly back to uh, new mexico to scan and then like two more days pass and another thing pops up it's just like it's never ending and there's so many different things that it's trying to talk to you about at once that it can get really overwhelming. And I'm like, I can't remember all of it. There's so many different meters to keep track of and and resources. And it's, it's a lot research and engineering and it, but that's kind of the game is managing all those systems. It feels a lot like a board game in that way where it just kind of like, like I feel like the thing about a board game, unlike a video game is the board game just like tosses you into like all of the different mechanics and you have to just like, you know, manage all of those meters and all of that shit. Whereas like a game can like give itself, can artificially give itself a longer tutorial time to teach you everything a little bit slower. Yeah. I feel like with XCOM, it just kind of like, boom, like there you go. It's all up front. And I, I think once you start a new campaign, a lot of that is turned down because a lot of what I'm getting also is like tutorial bubbles and stuff. Yeah, um, you can skip a lot of that, or you can check a box before you start a campaign that gets rid of a lot of that. So yeah, my first XCOM was um, oh shit was Enemy Unknown, the three sixty one. Enemy Within. Yep. Um, yeah, and and I felt like that one actually did a really good job of like introducing it to the game, like the series is like core concepts and mechanics. And so going into like what little I've played of two, and uh, I haven't played any of War of the Chosen, but like. Yeah, I don't know if it was I came into an entry that did it well that they kind of like fumbled it, but um, it's de- definitely a series that like is pretty intimidating at first. Um, yeah, but and oh gosh, like that—that's one thing that uh, like Mario and Rabbids did like super well is that like like a little bit to a detriment. Like you learn so much and it like just drip feeds you those little pieces. Yeah. Um, it's yeah. designed, even though it wasn't made by Nintendo, but very much in the Nintendo way where it, like you like repeat it a few times to like where you're like a master of a specific um like kind of gameplay and then um like it lets like you you are introduced to a concept you hone your skills of it then like it gives you like a test of like proving your expertise with those skills Mm -hmm. um and yeah that's one thing that with strategy games i feel like just in general strategy games like that's my big hurdle is that like I'm just being thrown so much at once. Uh, I've been watching Waypoints' uh, Stellaris streams. Yeah. Um, more than anything, like as like uh, taking the lore that they create and let the the game creates for them and like enjoying that in the same way that I would like like a, a bit more of like a meta uh, like the Adventure Zone. Like right. they they just have this like this yeah. narrative going of this universe that they're creating and like. They're owning it entirely, and you have like Austin, who's like kind of like the emperor of their like solar kingdom, and then uh, Rob as their like kind of uh, like heavy handed like like admiral, and then Daniel is the kind of you know the like peace centric like diplomat sure. of the group, and Pacifist like the, yeah, the, they have yeah. they have such a good dynamic, and um, 
yeah, but every time I wa- like, I enjoy that part of it so much, and it's like really interesting. Honestly, just l- like listening to it as I would like a podcast, and like yeah. having a bit of visual reference. But like whenever I look up at the screen, I see so much so on much there text and so much, so much, so much small, so many small icons and like yeah, and like when yeah, they zoom out weird. to like the like kind of universal view where it's like yeah. here is are like three dozen dots that are like kind of interconnected and have like various overlays along different paths and trees and like the fact that they're able to like see that and like yep this is what all this is and like it makes sense right. and like I'm just so over- overwhelmed and part of it is that I'm uh, consuming it passively but that's my big hurdle with like just strategy games in general even the simpler ones like even the fire emblems yeah. like I'm just yeah. so bad at and I don't think fire emblem does a good job of teaching how to play I remember picking no. that up for no. a flight and uh, I thought it was bad like I picked up yeah. Awakening, which everyone was crazy about. I did the same thing, honestly. Yeah. So, um, see, I, I think I played it. Um, so those games, I either play like hard difficulty without permadeath or easy difficulty yeah. with permadeath. Sure. Um, and so like I, yeah, I, I start getting it a little bit, but it, it doesn't do a good job of explaining um, how combat works. I don't even think it really does like an explanation of the like rock paper scissors mechanics very well. Because I remember I, I didn't. Think it does. I think that it, it doesn't explain its death mechanics very well up front because I think I turned permadeath on, but then some like mm. um, like important story characters passed out or something in a, in a mission and they didn't die. And I think it's because I was still early on and they couldn't die maybe. Yeah. But it was weird. Um, um, but yeah, the rock, paper, scissors. Yeah, like I remember, I remember that it, uh, I played it once and I didn't get that. And then I played Fire Emblem Heroes, the mobile game that came out last year. And that and that entire thing is like very much just like um, a more deliberate rock, like paper. rock paper scissors with like these generic kind of pieces you move around. Um, right. And in Fire Emblem, like the scale is so much bigger. There's so many more things on the on the board, and like all these different ways that you need to consider things. That um, Heroes does a really good job of like keeping somewhat, but boiling it down to like a really simple concept, and that like it allows you to focus on that like rock, paper, scissors mechanic mm-hmm. um, instead of like balancing the permadeath and the like character relationships and different synergies that you can have with different people. And like, I don't know how big those maps are on average, but in heroes it was four by four. And I would say at least like 20 by 20 um, hmm. is what you'll get on like fire emblem maps. And it's just like, it's yeah, so much. Um, but I just like the time it takes to finish a level versus yeah. the time it takes yeah, to like, recover when you fucking lose. Yep. Yeah, I I, f- I feel really bad because in that game, um, it t- yeah like forty five minutes maybe for like a map a match, um, and like and I think that's my hurdle just in general with like these like tactics games, which is like why I had a problem with Into the Breach, is that even though I know that that game is built around like designed around like having runs and fucking up and like you know, just constant like trial and error and like learning the mechanics that way. Um, right. Which feels super, just through my experience of playing uh, strategy games, feels like really uh, counterintuitive to what those games are. But I also understand that's part of the appeal to Into the Breach. Um, but that's like, yeah. that's the mental hurdle I had, like other than it being mm-hmm. on my PC and like, for like, I, I think I ne- sure. would need to get a better monitor to play it um, as a PC game because right now I just have my TV hooked up to it. Um, yeah, like, yeah, like those two things are like 
like, and I've been thinking about Into the Breach a lot because I really want to play it because I've been thinking about FTL quite a bit. Yeah. Um, but so yeah, go ahead. So like, uh, do do you dislike the roguelike element of like you just have to start the game over again I'm, and that's just like how you learn, I'm, or like how does that differ from like a Dark Souls game where you just have to like keep running through a level of learning patterns until you get it? So I fucking love roguelikes. Um, and even FTL, yeah. I didn't have a problem with. Um, because that wasn't like quite a tactics game. Um, like there, there was some kind of like grid based like movement and um, it was more active than Into the Breach's turn based system. But it's specifically of like this is a tactics game. Like it's all about making sure like each move you make, you know, is like very chess like. You're thinking moves ahead and like you know, yeah. you're trying to do everything incredibly efficiently. And right. um, where FTL, I was allowed it. Like chaos is a big part of that game. Like yeah. things are just gonna go to shit. Like like that's part of yeah. like what this game is about. And like into the breach, even though I know that I'm supposed to, you know, I'm supposed to fuck up. I'm supposed to learn. Um, yeah. I know that there is like a correct answer to like that puzzle of a map, mm-hmm. and I obsess so much over like individual turns. Like where I think it was on the besties. Griffin was talking about like there's times where he spent 15 minutes on like a single turn, like in those late stages. And I'm like, like I'm in like the first Island and I'm spending 10 minutes on a move. Like I, I, a part of it's just like my anxiety and like these other factors and like, but a big part of it is the conditioning that I've had through all of my experiences playing, uh, tactics games, like all the way back to like, uh, uh, final fantasy tactics advance. Like that, that was the first one I played. And there was something about that, that like, like just scratch the exact right itch of like I'm in this for the Final Fantasy and like the magic and like right like something about the class system and that like really appealed to me and like I was just so enamored with the aesthetics and like everything else that was happening that I was like able to put up with that but like sure uh, Advanced Wars like I adored but I couldn't get past like probably like four like story chapters just because like I, my brain just isn't wired to do strategy games like that and yeah that's been my hurt well, yeah. Into the Breach so for Into the Breach for me I mean I haven't played it in a while I played it a little bit beginning of this and right before we started recording mm-hmm. but um, I haven't had maybe time moves this way but it doesn't feel like it but I, I feel like I haven't had the whole like Sarah to map for 20 minutes thing I think I'm a little bit less precious with like the thing knowing that I can start over but like I think about you're, you're talking about how you're like setting moves up so you can like do certain things um, later and like that that all happens when you drop the the mechs for me like placement of the mechs early on is like kind of setting things up in the future for me but when with, with each turn I'm kind of in this like all I have is right now I have to solve this puzzle I don't care what happens after this as long as there are no buildings hurt right now I'm good that sort of thing like I I'm not thinking that far ahead I'm just sort of thinking like in the moment and there's something about maybe that frame of mind that like helps me make decisions faster like I'm not spending that much time and I feel like I can kind of see like the matrix when I'm looking at this game and kind of like get into that groove of of like Mm. knowing where things are going to be and how things are going to shake out and like knowing what my capabilities are as a as a pilot or whatever um i'm not having as much I, n- I never had that much problem of like spending a lot of time i know a lot of people do though 
Yeah. Like, um, so I, for me though, like because of that, I can like kind of just blow through games and not really worry about it. Yeah. Like my mindset with those games is that like, I know I'm going to fuck up, but I know that I'm like inching my progress along. Like, because yeah. those games are like, even though, even if they do have like branching paths, like just in general, the, the end of the game is like an end point for me. And even right. though this game does have an end of like finishing it, like even if I die, I go back and I know that I'm working towards reaching this end. Like even Dark Souls is that way where, yeah. you know, yeah. even though I keep dying and I keep getting back to the certain point, like there is a sense of progress because uh, it's not like totally roguelike in the sense that like, you know, of, of the run based thing for Dark Souls. But uh, yeah, like even in like a tactics game, I know that I'm getting towards the end. I know that I'm progressing, you know, e- even if it's very, very slowly or an into the breach, like there's something about the like temperance and uh, that, yeah, like even like even if though I fuck up, like if I fuck up in that game, I'm actually losing a lot of progress and like being set back to zero. Where, right. yeah, and other tactics games that are, you know, more of like a, you know, a, a narrative, and they're more of a campaign. Like, at least I know that I'm working towards my goal. Where with this, it's yeah, like just sure. just the way my brain is wired with tactics games. Like, I I love yeah. so, and that, that's what kills me. I love everything else about that game so much, but like the tactics of it, like I just obsess so much over individual moves. And that um, when I lose progress, like it's like not not that it's more precious than any time yeah. anyone else. It's been just like. It's just such a taxing thing for like sure. me mentally that I'm like fuck being back yeah, to square yeah, yeah. one, but huh. um, I do enjoy watching let's plays of it though. Um, I yeah. will say because then like that's out of my hands, um, and I trust like Austin Walker and uh, Griffin and Russ to you know play that game smarter than I will. Sure. Um, I have a question for you guys. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, it's more of like a, I need your help. Oh yeah. Help me not spend thirty dollars on the Dragon Ball Z premium pass thing. Uh when was the last time you played it? I played it like a couple days ago. How long did you play it for? Maybe about an hour. I'm enjoying yeah. it still. I still want to play it and I like I, I want I want the new characters just to see what they play like. There are some yeah. characters on the main roster that I still haven't played, but I want these new ones. Um yeah, the the barcade that I hang out in West Seattle, they they had for the longest time a uh, arcade cabinet that they just like put a PC inside of and then um, like fight sticks on top of and they were really good about keeping the modern games in there with like the DLC mm-hmm. and uh, it wasn't there when I went uh, a week ago but you know like with arcade sometimes they had to pull things out work on them and fix yeah. them if that comes back and they have Dragon Ball with the DLC like that will be perfect for me because yeah that $30 price tag is insane um, it's weird that the, the DLC structure for this game is like other fighting games, but it's not, it's not like, it doesn't feel current because yeah. like the, the, the system that seems to work for a lot of people. And I think that they could have gotten away with this with Dragon Ball. It's like $30 entry fee. And then just like everything else is free. And that's, yeah. that's asking a lot of a big publisher. Like, uh, is it Namco Bandai? Yeah. Um, to, to do that because like. They haven't done that, but like I think of Vermintide and Titanfall Two, and I think of like PUBG with these games that you just like pay. It's it it makes so much sense because like this is the way it used to be. But like you you know you pay 
a nominal fee and then you just get free content that like keeps you coming back um i feel like the fighting game structure could use something like that to get more people playing um i think killer instinct tried something like this where like there's different seasons yeah. and each person had their own yeah. well killer Instinct it's kind of like was, lol was um, free to play and like the initial free download only had two characters and then mm-hmm. you could you buy like the, the season ones? pass or just buy the individual packs um yeah and like and that was really cool and like really novel as like see like would you have played killer instinct otherwise no so, um, I mean, part of the thing here is that like it's dragon ball so people are going to pay yeah. for it but like and it's it's brawly and bardock that are the first two characters and like while like i'm actually really pissed that they didn't put the brawly equivalent from super in there because right uh because uh, they are way better than than brawly but yeah but like in the show, it seems like a weird first choice. Yeah, for two characters. In, in the show, that was their version of canonizing Brawly because Brawly was one of the movies that was mm-hmm. like uh, Funimation and uh, Toei Animation just being like, "All right, you're not making this. Your uh, Akira Toriyama isn't making the fucking show fast enough. I guess we need to put out more Dragon Ball content. Like, mm-hmm. you know, strike while the iron's hot." And uh, yeah, and like so, they introduced a character in the show that's like. Hey, like this character's canon now. Like this, there's a version yeah. of this character that actually fits within the proper Dragon Ball timeline. You're welcome, oh. and it's a way more interesting character than Brawly ever fucking was. Um, <laughs> Salty. Yeah, no, I, I yeah. fucking hate Brawly. Brawly is the most overrated like anime character probably ever. Um, Sorry, is there any other, any other characters that are announced for the no. the DVD? No, yeah, okay, just, yeah. I bet you and Brawly and Bardock were just like, let's get something out. Like yeah, the, the fan favorite. Are yeah, they fan favorites though? They're just like another oh, yes. version of Goku. I mean, Bardock's but, but Bardock cool. is Goku, Goku's dad. I know. And then, but like, yeah, those are absolutely like fan, fan favorite characters. Um, Interesting. But yeah, for, I think at this point, I want, I want, uh, oh God, who did I want? Never mind. I want uh, Mr. Satan. Yeah, Jirobi. Yeah, Mr. Satan, I was actually kind of surprised wasn't. Mr. Satan's going to come out. That'd be um, such a funny happen. character. They could have so much fun with Well, especially with, the other especially with the fucking story before. of the game, like where everyone loses their like superhuman abilities. Yeah, yeah. Basically, like, okay, then like Mr. Satan's actually on like an equivalent level. level than y'all. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, like. Anyway. So, but. Um, this business model is driving me crazy is what I'm trying to get at. Yeah. Like, no. I want to keep playing it and I want to like experience the new characters. But there, there, uh, there had to be something with it because like Bandai Namco is like one of the most notoriously like stubborn, like them and Konami are like some of the most stubborn, like same with Capcom, like old fashioned like. Uh, Japanese. Like Capcom's pretty good about it, but like no, it's Street Fighter and shit. I don't I mean, think like, here's here's the thing that I could do. Really easy thing we could do. Give you free weekends where you could just play the new characters. See, that would be cool. Yeah. And then that would, you know, that's my yeah, favorite thing about right. Overwatch. I'd be down for like, that. That's what they, yeah, like Overwatch does, well, Overwatch has them all available, but yeah. like, that's what like Heroes of the Storm does, and I think League of Legends yeah, as well. Yeah, there, just there was one recently, um, uh, for some other like console game that I was like, holy shit, that's really cool that they're doing that. Um, I think it was, might have been Monster Hunter? Oh, so yeah, and like Monster Hunter, all the DLC for that game is, is uh, free. Like all of the new content for Monster Hunter World is free, and like that's what the Capcom thing I was thinking of. That oh, that makes sense. Actually, you're right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um. um but yeah, like, and so like for me, Dragon Ball Fighters was like okay, like this is all like way too good to be true. This game fucking owns bones, and like it's be- becoming like the most popular game for Evo now. Yep. Um. Yep. And like it's yeah, like the other foot had to drop, and honestly, I'm fine if like there had to be one thing wrong with the game that it's the DLC isn't 
Uh, well, that's that's actually my school. thing. Is that like the story mode is fine. It's like a bunch of filler content. It seems yeah. like, and there are, we were we were talking at your birthday party. There's actually some really good interactions Earth. in that in the story mode. Like if you pick the right combination of characters. Yeah. But like the act, the actual story and the actual um, like missions that you're doing or whatever are not very interesting. And I think uh, the game is playing over and over again and getting better at yeah. the game. So like in terms so, of their like, I don't know, there's just doesn't seem like there's a lot of like there there. So to be asking yeah. for a lot of um, money. How far did you get in the story? I'm like 75% of the way through the hero saga the arc story yeah so it is a fucking pain getting through it um and i would like if you're going to be playing that game i would recommend you do it but i wouldn't tell you go back and like finish the story mode um yeah so the story mode is three separate parts the heroes the villains and the androids um telling the same story from different perspectives like almost like alternate timelines and uh it keeps getting better like the hero saga actually kind of sucks the okay. villain saga has some interesting stuff in it, but I will, won't tell you to get your like hopes up way high for it. Um, I actually really like what they do with the Android saga um, because it flushes out Android 21's character and like Android 21's actually like really interesting, but yeah. they just That's cool. they don't even suggest that she's interesting during the, the fucking first two <laughs> campaign arcs, which is like really Android upsetting. 21's a new one they created for the game, right? Yeah, yeah. Or is she in Super? No. Oh, okay. She's a... Uh, fighters exclusive. Um, That's kind of cool. Yeah, and like, good for that. But like through the first two like uh, story mode things, like it's basically just like, oh, like they just made an like they basically like took the androids in one hand, the Majin Buu in the other, and like smashed it together to make one thing. Um, yeah. And uh, it isn't until the Android Saga where it's like it makes sense that that's where you're getting her story um, is via the other androids. Um, like characters who would actually be sympathetic to what that character is going through. Um, but yeah, it's like you have to get through the fucking heroes and the villain saga before you can do that. Um, which is a shame. Uh, right. But yeah, like, I mean, I put like 40, 50 hours into that game. Um, like I, I played quite a bit of it and I didn't realize you played that much. Oh yeah. No, I was playing it a lot. Um, yeah. like mostly the story mode like or not mostly the story it wasn't fucking 40 hours story, story in mode. arcade yeah um yeah no it was a really good podcast game for a minute um and, for sure. and honestly yeah like at a certain point i was doing the story mode just to get the like character interactions um yeah. like once you start unlocking things and like oh like what happens when i put cell and gohan together right um or like a one one that i don't think or ones that like didn't happen in the show at all yeah or um i don't know the other one that I did was, uh, um, the other thing I did was they have the like, dramatic finishes where if like, um, if Krillin isn't on either team and you're on destroyed planet Namek, um, and you finish off Frieza with Goku, like yeah. it reenacts the, uh, um, the killing Krillin or no, not the, not the ki- killing Krillin or the, the actually that one, the battle starts Frieza kills Krillin and oh. Goku goes Super Saiyan yeah. to start the fight. And then cool. um, at the finish, um, it does the thing where like Goku's like, all right, peace. Like, I hope you, I hope you learned your lesson. And then Freeze is like, uh, fuck you. And Goku's like, yeah. God damn it. And then <laughs> kills him. Yeah, does that thing. It's, it's super cool. Like, there's those little Easter eggs that like, 
I didn't like try each character. Like I, I looked up the wiki and I was like, oh, here yeah. we go. I'm gonna do this one next. That shit's pretty cool. Um, I actually haven't seen any of those, so that's that's pretty good. Um, yeah, like the, I did that also, and it's like my favorite one is the Beerus Goku one. It's just th- those two together, are so good. Yeah. Uh, what else have I been playing? I tried Ratchet and Clank on PS4 because it was free. Yeah. On PS Plus. Oh yeah. Um, so like you don't like it. I don't think I like it. Oh my god, it's. I know. Like this was weeks ago at this point. I just wanted to throw yeah. it out there that I wasn't crazy about the way uh, the. Um. I found it kind of challenging, like in, in a yeah. way that it was like the um controls were getting in the way, and not necessarily because like the, it was designed well. You know what I mean? Do you, Do you think that like that is going to be the case for all these remakes? Well, this this is different than a re. This is like a true remake where it's yeah. like a new game based on old like, shit. But like, like n- not even like Shadow of the Colossus because it literally is like a new game. Like it's told like it is Captain Quark telling the right, retelling the story of Ratchet and Clank. Right? Yeah, yeah, of the first yeah. one. So it is like all original and like they like update a lot of the jokes and um, yeah, do a bunch of that stuff. I am so this was like, for I'm all super purposes, taken this aback. Was like, you didn't like it, like to be honest. Yeah. This was like a new Ratchet and Clank game, and I love those games. And yeah. I thought that they normally controlled well, but there's something about the aiming and the shooting and like what buttons do what. Yeah. That it just was like I literally can't really get into this. zero of those. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, uh, I could go back and, and try. No, yeah, it, but like I it's wasn't crazy it's totally it. valid for you to to not be into it like that. Yeah, because gosh, what else came out that year? Um, I skipped over it entirely. That was 2016. It was 2016. Pretty good year, so yeah, that was I the think. year of uh, Dark Souls three and yep. Um, other one other stuff game. that I was playing. Uh, yeah, I like, don't know. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there was something else that came out that year that I was like, it was it was close, but like Ratchet and the Clank was R- Ratchet and the Clank. Uh, Ratchet yeah. and Clank was one of at, like easily one of my top three games that year. Yeah. Like I adored that game. Like that that was probably my Yakuza Zero of 2016. <laughs> uh, I want to talk about Spyro. Talk about Spyro. Game. Talk about Spyro. Oh yeah. I, I don't know if it's gonna be good. No, I I remember those games not being good. Whoa! I those love games are good. Ripto's Rage. I I like. I remember enjoying the Enter the Dragon on the GameCube. I remember playing the original PlayStation ones and finding it to be like a total chore. Well, I that's weird. Yeah. That, that's rare. Uh, not rare. I'm sure a lot of people did this, but like, it's interesting to me that you started with the GameCube one and tried to go back. No, I didn't. Yeah, I absolutely did oh. not. I, I oh, played I the PlayStation right. ones, and then I was like given the GameCube one as a gift, like when that came out. Oh, and I, see. I was like, oh shit, okay, I like this now. Huh. Like, interesting. Yeah, no, I I tried playing those original Spyro games, and like, and those like kind of platform games were my shit. And I think that might have been my thing about it is that like it wasn't very platform heavy. It was more like like not in the way that like Crash Bandicoot and like Banjo Kazooie were like. Yeah, it, like, it seemed a little bit more like precision it, it was, jumping. Like it was, there's something about it. You had to land a lot of long gaps and, yeah. and yeah. a lot of gliding, a lot of yeah. gliding. Yeah. Um, I used the Game Shark when I was a kid. Yep. I played the game, but I used the Game Shark too at one point. And like, there was a really like, I don't know if you could unlock it during Ripto's Rage, but there was a really good, like, really good feeling like ability to fly mm-hmm. in it. Where again, I don't know if you could like unlock that ability and they have it forever, but like with the game shark, you could toggle it on and it made the game super easy, but it also like felt really good when you were just like actually flying in it. Yeah. 
I just realized that Celeste's assist mode is basically a game shark. Basically. Yes. Um, yeah. Um, yeah. I, so I, what did you want to ask about it, Brian? Yeah. Brian. I don't know. Do you guys think it's going to be good, or do you think it's just going to be like... Uh, well, I mean, was the Crash Bandicoot game good? That sold like is, is good. Yeah, no, I, it's, I, it, it was good. Like the main thing is that it, that one actually was harder because of uh, the way that it was redesigned. Um, because the thing was that the original game is like Crash had like polygonal feet, and so they were flat. And then um, in the remake, they yeah. made his feet round, and so there was less surface for uh, oh sure for you to like. Uh, land onto ledges with so like that game was actually harder in the remake um interesting but so it'll be interesting yeah like i am uh optimistic about spyro like i really hope that you know my chase my tastes have changed in 20 years since i played the original spyros um and i like some of the later ones so i'm you know i will give these a shot um actually i'm more excited about these than i am crash bandicoot like Crash Bandicoot. Uh, yeah, me too. Um, yeah, same. Like the that kind of game's design was like it doesn't. I don't think it works as well anymore. Where Spyro kind of existed more in that like kind of Banjo Kazooie style world, where it's more of they have this like like I think Spyro is more of an adventure game than it was like an actual yeah. like, platformer. It's also sort of like the the yeah. the prototype for what became Ratchet and Clank. Yeah. Oh yeah. Totally. Yeah. Um. And that, that's the other same, thing. Is yeah. I fucking love Insomniac. Yeah. Um, like just about so like, everything they've done. Yeah, I guess it's like a good version of this game, like a like Crash Bandicoot, where they tried to make it just like a accurate remake. I mean, opinion like, very honestly. Like, yeah, the, the the Ratchet, well, the Ratchet and Clank way would be the way to do it, where it's like literally rebuild it from the, the ground up. Is. Um, but no, yeah, it's gonna be more like Crash and Shadow of the Colossus, where it's like we are like from the bottom up, like remaking these games, but they are going to be. Like functionally the same yeah yeah and i you know what i think this was a long time ago but it was also a long time from when the original games came out i think i somehow tried to replay the ps1 one like maybe on ps3 because they did the ps1 classics Mm -hmm. and so i think the ps1 maybe always had this but there's like some controller latency with ps1 games at least the ps1 classics on ps3 and it's just like that transition from standard def to high def with like a different controller. Like I, there was noticeable lag for me right. and it was no other game. And also I don't think Spyro jumps as high as I remembered him. And then he goes into the glide very quickly after you do the double jump. But there's just something iffy about the controls. Like I don't think that it controls particularly well now. So hopefully they kind of retouch some of that stuff to make it feel a little bit more responsive i guess yes um but like yeah from what i saw that they're just basically recreating the environments and giving them a fresh art work and fresh coat of paint and stuff um which is cool adding some like cool lighting effects and like particle effects and shit like it looks beautiful yeah it looks way better than spyro did in uh skylanders <laughs> yes god i forgot about that uh yeah when i was talking to my coworkers about that today they were like oh god are they they're using the skylanders one and i was like no they repainting the old one yeah <laughs> oh yeah it's just way more stylish stylistic yeah that's great uh spyro was the first game i got for my ps1 for christmas mm-hmm. and it was uh, before it was also my first system that had that required memory cards and yeah. my parents 
got me the PS1 and Spyro for Christmas, not knowing that you also needed to get memory cards, just like Sony oh. to to like make those oh, proprietary yeah. and separate, right? Even back mm-hmm. then, this is for the PS1, so it was like that redesign of the PlayStation, um, that tiny, oh, the, the cool yeah. looking sleek one. Yeah. So like they didn't include the memory; they could have thrown in a memory card, no. but um. So I played through it a whole bunch, and it's like I reached a save point, and it was like insert memory card here. I was like, oh shit. So I, like, no! I think I restarted the game like three times and I only played for probably about two hours. And like the final one I was like, mom, I need a memory card. And she, uh, I left the game on with the TV off. You know, you could, you yeah. could still do that now, but, um, uh, while she went and got a memory card and then I was able to plug it in and, you know, save. That was cool. Yeah. But, uh, and then I also have another story about Spyro where I think I got Spyro three one year and I was having trouble at this one part, and then we had family friends come over and visit for like a week. And the the uh, their son, who was a couple years older than me, started playing my Spyro game and got way past me. And like to this day, I hate that guy because like he was able <laughs> to get get past a point that I couldn't inspire the dragon. Damn. Um, um, yeah. So that the story prior reminded me of. Uh, of how I used to play melee, like I, what I what I used to do is I used to take melee and like I would get everything, mm-hmm. and then like swap memory cards and then do it again. Uh, and so the way to get Mewtwo, or one of the ways to get Mewtwo was like have like I think it was like twenty hours of like active game time. Um, yeah, I and did this too. And yeah, and so like I would just like leave it on like final destination, no items, you know, uh, unlimited time, three stock. Yeah, and yeah. then just like leave two controllers plugged in overnight, mm-hmm. and then, uh, <laughs> and the like one time I did that, and then I think I got up and was like doing stuff around and like, uh, and then I checked the GameCube and it was turned back off, and I was like, no, and I was like. Like, oh, you left your GameCube on last night. I was like, I know I did. I did it on I was, purpose, Mom. I know. I kept to get Mewtwo, Mom. Don't understand. Mom. Um, yeah, and like, yeah, like that, that was just one of those like weird, like, yeah, it's not, not super meta. It sort of sticks with you. Yeah. But like, yeah, like I, I'm trying to think of other like weird, like meta shit that I've done. Like the most obvious one is uh, um, with Metal Gear Solid with uh Psychomantis, where he would read your memory card. Um, yeah. Can read your mind. Yeah, and play Super Smash Brothers. Yeah, and trying to see like what like you, like you could get out of him. Um, and the other thing that I did was uh, Chrono Cross in that game. Whenever you created a save file, any additional like so like the first save file would be Surge, the main character, and yeah. then you could create another save file, and that would. Um, that would have the icon of kid, like the female, like, um, like the, the other main character of the story and going so on and so forth, like all throughout the playable characters. And I think it was like the 12th one was Glenn, um, who was, uh, fucking awesome swordsman. Uh, like a, like a 17 year old swordsman, his brother's like the King guard or whatever. And like, he's always living in his brother's shadow. And it's like, not like edgelord moody, but like, um, like definitely like an emo rich kid, yeah. but also a badass. Um, yeah. And so then I would create like 11 save files so I can get to that 12th one. 
And then and then I'd go back and delete all of those, and then I would just have that be my save file. That's um, awesome. But yeah, that's another like weird meta thing that I did for that one for no real reason other than that was my favorite character, and I wanted my save file to be his icon. But yeah, um, yeah, games are weird, man. I love it. Games are weird. I love dude. to game. Um, in the time that uh, we last recorded, Sea of Thieves has come out. Oh yeah, jeez. Um, and. Uh, Mikey, I think you're hotter on it than... I don't know, Brian, you seem to enjoy yourself too. I'm not super hot on it still. We're going to play a little bit after this, I think, if you're still down. Yeah, I, I can play uh, right. a little bit. I'm quite sleepy, but... I'm down. I'd like yeah. to okay. do a bit. Um, I, don't, I think it's cool. Uh, I mean, I don't... I think I've seen almost everything I'm going to see, but <laughs> it's kind of fun to fuck around. I wish there were more people when we played to just like get ransacked. and. Yeah, that was the thing we know. haven't seen any other players out in the wild seas yet oh okay like you guys are yeah you guys are missing out on a lot because i played with uh my friend morrigan uh-huh. and uh which brian or uh, Rhodes, you remember from playing PUBG with her uh yeah. she's fucking like the like n- number one wild card anytime she sees <laughs> something that she can go fuck with she wants to go fuck with it um more wild card than charlie from uh no Boston. like literally like that that's it like <laughs> Like we'll be like on our way into port, and uh, and like she'll see someone off to the side. She's like, "Wow, car bitches!" Like turns turns the steering wheel, like <laughs> drops the anchor just so we like take a hard fucking turn. Um, which all yeah, like she plays with some of the with some people on Rare's social team, and like they showed her a bunch of like tricks. Like you can fucking like make your ship do a one eighty if you uh, like if you drop the sails like turn uh or race sails like turn hard and like drop the anchor you can like do a complete 180 um and like she, she was just doing the most buck wild shit and it was fucking insane like it's so much fun um that's cool yeah like it that's really weird that you guys have played and like not really run into anyone because we were running- i ran into more people when i was playing by myself with uh randoms yeah but not when i not when we were playing together i was like the three of us, like it's like we didn't see anyone. Yeah. Um, yeah. Gosh, yeah, like I, I have, I'm, yeah, we've been having a lot of fun with that game, and um, it definitely, I feel, is at its peak whenever you have a full ship, whether it's a two-person sleeper or a four-person galleon. Mm-hmm. Um, just because, yeah, like otherwise, there's so much managing of stuff, and like there's no room for shenanigans. Um, right. and then yeah, like, you can goof off a little bit when there's that like a little extra like layer of coverage like when Rhodes and I were, were doing just like a two person sleep like that was a whole lot of fun um, yeah it's like that ship's designed to like not ideally be run solo but uh, but it needs to be able to be run solo and so like whenever you have two people doing it like it's just so much more efficient like very efficient yeah yeah it's a lot and, of fun. and like yeah like part of it I think is the fantasy of uh, like doing things together and like understanding like how much work goes into like making a ship operational and like and doing that and like picking up the skills on your own because it doesn't fucking tell you anything like you, you get on there and even though it doesn't tell you anything I feel like it's suggestive like in a good way where it's like you get on the ship and like okay what do I do like here's the anchor I can steer yeah. here and then I can you're, you're raising you're talking the flags about- and turn the flags yeah, you were talking about Rob Zachney's article on Waypoint mm. about how I read a little bit of that. I kind of skimmed it, and it was 
he was talking very specifically about like the sounds and like the sound of the wind catching the sails, the kind of the creaking of the boat, yeah, the the um the wheel turning and like the waves and all this stuff. And he he was right. Like, at least I can relate to him. There's like there seems to be this like shared knowledge of like what sailing is, and like mm-hmm. it's kind of fun to like live that out. Yeah, um, no, and- virtually, and just like the simple act of figuring out how to get the boat working the way you want it to is rewarding and fun continuously. Like it, that doesn't get old. Yeah. And it's sort of everything else around it. that can kind of get kind of um, stale for me. So far. Oh yeah. Like the actual like things to do isn't the greatest, but um, like to your point of, or to the Rob's point of uh, like this kind of like, it's this understood language of sailing that you know easily makes sense like a lot of it is due to the feedback you get from the game like like the sound of like the uh uh the wind catching your sails like like you'll you're turning it and you don't know if you're if you're in the sweet spot like like as you're like turning to it but then like once it catches like the sound like the feel like it feels so good like you know when like when you've hit the spot of you know the wind because like yeah like it takes your fucking sail like it juts you out a little bit almost and like there's there's just so much of it like the tactics of that game like other than the fucking combat which is you know a bit miserable um and very like elder scrolls-esque um that yeah like the, the sailing stuff feels so good and just you know co-op like communicating coordinating and like cooperating together like it just feels so fucking good and um yeah yeah like there's definitely not a lot to do there but it's just you know going out um like it's, it's a good like excuse to like just kind of hang out and goof off with friends and for sure yeah enjoy that. i'm excited to give it give it more time because uh my game pass lapsed and i um accidentally subscribed for a month so Whoops. we're doing it <laughs> uh doing it doing it um I just saw an article right now from the Hollywood Reporter, and then we can wrap up with kind of like recommendations or whatever. But um, screenwriter Tony Gilroy was was hired to oversee the reshoots of Star Wars uh, Rogue One, and this is the first time he he appeared on a podcast recently. And I guess people consider him to be like the film's quote unquote ghost director. Like he he really made the final product what it was. Ghost director. Um, a very good movie. Right, and it, he he's saying that um, it was a terrible mess when he got there, and he had to like rewrite a ton of shit in the movie to make it to make it work the way yeah, it does. I remember that apprehension about like, oh, they're reshooting. Yeah. Um. So he he this is a guy who does not care about Star Wars. So he had no trepidation about like kind of messing it up. Um, right. So he's the guy that spoilers for a two year old movie, I guess. Um, that decided that they were going to sacrifice themselves at the end. So he, he over oversaw and reshot and rewrote the ending to have them die at the end of the movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Which when yeah. you say that, like it feels like it was added on kind of, it, it kind of does, you know, the, the ending, especially with the way like certain character arcs were going and uh, yeah, just, yeah, it, uh, it, it could have ended better than them. Like just like holding each other on a beach like that. Right. Felt See, like- the thing is, 
I agree that it should have been a movie about sacrifice. I don't think mm-hmm. that they should have survived that. Right. I think it's actually way more poetic yeah. and good. But there's something about it seems a little like last minute tacked on, like you said. Yeah, no, it, um, it just it doesn't like it's definitely you know considering what the alternative must have been like definitely the right choice for them to have made. But it just yeah it doesn't quite cohese as well as like almost every other part of that movie. Yeah. Um, gosh, so, yeah. I, I think it'd be really fun to like try and go back and like guess what was added. Oh yeah. Uh, I'm going to read a little bit from this article. If you don't mind. Um, don't. This is a quote from Gilroy. I mind. Okay. never mind. <laughs> um, <laughs> quote. If you look at rogue, all the difficulty with rogue, all the confusion of it and all the mess. And in the end, when you get in there, it's actually very, very simple to solve. Gilroy said of the film. Cause you sort of go, this is a movie where, Folks, just look, everyone is going to die. So it's a movie about sacrifice. He saw the opportunity to explore why the film's characters, played by stars Felicity Jones, Diego Luna, and Donnie Yen, would ultimately sacrifice themselves at the end of the film in order to allow the rebels to gain the plans to the Death Star. Um, and then he goes on to say that, like, uh, someone else attached to the project has said that, like, an enormously different version of the film exists and that Gilroy came in after the director's cut. So, like, Gareth Edwards didn't even oversee any of these reshoots. He wasn't involved in this at all, from what I can tell. Which is pretty crazy. Anyway, that kind of made me start thinking about um, how there are reshoots in an entirely new director for Solo, a Star Wars movie, and how the hype... Disney is not putting a lot of hype behind this movie the way they do for the other ones. No, Um, it's all behind Infinity War. That's true. I'd imagine for them that that's a bigger, safer bet. But... um, for like maybe Star Wars movies aren't special events anymore, but like Last Jedi still felt like a big special deal to me. Yeah, I, I think in yeah. the months leading up and Solo, and same with Rogue One, Solo does not is not getting the love. Well, Solo's had like a month and a half of lead up. Like the it, it was supposed to be December, and like yeah, I think really you just caught everyone off guard when they're like you know they're, they're planning long term how they're gonna fucking feel about Star Wars. Um, I know I do. And like, yeah, there's, I think there's, yeah, just a lot of discussion about like the reshoots and there's something about like, there's only, there's only been the one trailer. There might, there might've been two. There's been like two now as a story trailer. Yeah. Out. But they both of them feel like exactly the same. And like, yeah, I still largely other than that being a Han Solo, like origin story, I really don't know what that movie is. Um, right, I mean, we didn't really know what Last Jedi was going to be. So, like that doesn't we, seem like we the, knew it was going to. We knew what the tone of it was going to be like largely. Right, like we knew the characters and where that. their arcs were going, and I guess we know where right. Han Solo's is going to end up. But like, we we know that's like all right. We're you know we're going to figure out more about um, about Ray, and we're going to see Luke Skywalker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah and yeah. like we're this. It's like who knows where this is going to go. Like I don't know the tone. Like the, the main Star Wars movies, they have a tone. And yeah. this one's like, I don't know where it's going to be. I don't know if it's going to, you know, be their like first, like, I guess Last Jedi is pretty funny, but like it, this could be their first, like largely like kind of comedic and like happy go lucky mm-hmm. uh, movie of the new trilogy, which is honestly like my big concern. Like this is their first like real, like fun for the whole family kind of push movie. Right. I'm a little worried that they're going to lean in to or just with all the rewrites and stuff that like they're gonna get what people like about han solo wrong yes like that's exactly i sort of i sort of feel like just not funny he's a scoundrel yeah he he's unintentional 
Yeah, exactly. He's accidentally funny, and he is. I he's kind of a fuck up in a lot of ways. Yeah, and it takes a lot to get him to like do the right thing. And I sort of feel like he's just gonna be that lovable rogue the entire movie, and like that's sort of what we've reduced Han Solo to over the years. But like, oh yeah, like Han Han Solo's hasn't been quite as like actively lovable. Like he was, yeah, kind of, you know a dick the entire time, and like, well, and think about like he abandoned his family after the events of yeah, you know, episode six, and I had a kid and everything. Like so, yeah, he's like not this like good dude he's a hero you know for a lot of reasons but like i'm a little worried about handling handle that character yeah no like he he, wasn't a hero until like the end of episode four where he was you know and decided to be a hero instead of just like abandoning everyone even after that even in like five like he's gonna leave the rebel alliance like on hoth like yeah like he's only like yeah i don't know i am really worried i'm gonna see it the thing that worried me more than anything was them like the reports of like they had to teach that fucking dude how to act in the middle of making that movie. Yeah, and I've heard I've heard things since then that suggest that like he's good now. <laughs> like the reshoots helped or something. Yeah, which is, there was still an entire fucking movie that was shot where no, apparently totally. he didn't know how to act. Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know. I mean, everyone was pretty fucking like concerned about Rogue One as well. I wasn't. I was so fucking on board with Rogue One. I I was so jazzed for that. Right, like we were excited, I th- but I think there was, I was still aware of the reshoots were, and like the problems. Uh, yeah, there was like mainstream skepticism. Yeah, of like what what the fuck is a Star Wars movie that's not like Skywalker a, a Skywalker thing? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so yeah, I'm there. The holiday movie, I guess. Yeah, no, like for for me, like from the moment they like the moment they announced it, I was like, that's interesting. And then like after uh, Force Awakens came out, I was like, all right, fuck yes, I'm so on board. Yeah, um, yeah. Yeah, the, like just the idea of that, and like whenever they're like, "This is gonna be like a dark Star Wars movie," I was like, yes, "This is what I need." Like, because for me, like Star Wars, as much as I love the movies and like love the core story, like it's never been about that. Like it was always, you know, the the games, the books, the comics, like all of the side yeah. stuff. Like reading those like Star Wars encyclopedias and just like absorbing in like every like corner of lore, and for them to like even though that's like a very critical moment in the main story that was just never on screen. Like the fact that they would explore these other corners, like that's actually what I was like super excited for. And like, yeah, the, the, there's that doesn't fit like what a mainstream audience would necessarily like hope or expect from star Wars. Um, but like, I, I feel like that movie was a, like, um, like a movie for star Wars fans. Totally. Yeah, I, I, it, it ended up being an excellent, an excellent. Thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Know. It's yep. God, I, I don't know. I haven't tried fucking ranking the Star Wars movies lately, but it's not worth it. No, <laughs> I, but for me, Rogue One's up there. Uh, I have a hot take right yeah. now. Mm-hmm. I left the Last Jedi thinking that it was my favorite Star Wars movie. I did too, yeah. and uh, I, I think that that has remained true. I think that's. It, if I had, I don't know the rest of the rankings, but that one's definitely like number one for me right now. Have you watched? Be it? ready to rewatch it by the end of the month. I've got it on Blu-ray. You can come over. Oh, I have it on Blu-ray too. Oh, I was like, making sure that you rewatched it. Oh, okay. Um, I haven't watched it yet. I haven't rewatched it yet, but I saw it like quite a few times in theaters, and I'm like starting to to look back fondly on a couple scenes where I'm like, I, I gotta rewatch that soon. Um, hmm. yeah. Uh, it fell back below Empire for me, but it's number two. I have another hot take. 
as much as I love them, those original trilogy movies can be kind of hard for me to watch sometimes. Uh, four, five, six. Yeah, like I tried watching. Four, six. They're not near. They're not nearly as watchable. Like they're not as like popcorny, and that's. They're not nearly as good as one two, or they're not nearly as unwatchable as one two three. That's true. Mm. One two three are bad. Fuck you, prequelers. Mm. It's it's they're bad. I like three. Um, three's okay. One's fine. I don't not fuck you, prequelers, but like yeah. No, uh, two sucks. Attack of the Clones is trash. Hey, Attack of the Clones is very bad. Anyway, uh, we should. Phantom let's let's play some video games. Let's play some video um, games. Uh, episode four is really bad acting. George Lucas cannot get anyone to fucking act in his goddamn movies. Like, it took a fucking knighted actor in, in order I to saw, make that movie have like a decent performance. I saw an interesting take about that very thing, kind of mm-hmm. defending his directing style with that. Is that like when you think about what inspired Star Wars and like what he was trying to go for? Mm-hmm. Like those like pulpy kind of campy um, shows and, and movies that came before it. Um, a lot of that acting was wooden and kind of stilted. And I think he was like an exposition heavy, you know? Uh, I think he was like intentional. Some people are suggesting that maybe he was intentionally doing that with the original trilogy and so, even the prequels. I wish he could but just like come out and like. It, fucking say say whether or not it's he like was. literally every movie That's... he's directed though like you yeah. mcgregor was the only good performance in you mcgregor and christopher lee were the only good performances in the prequels um even yeah. Lee, even liam neeson fucking blows in the prequels like he's not great um i don't know about that but yeah yeah like and you, and it, you just look at the growth for like from uh like the performances in uh, in four to five and six, and, like to be fair, like Carrie Fisher and Mark Hamill, like those were like their first like big roles. Yeah. Um, but like Han Solo is not great. Uh, like it, it's yeah, and um, you know, a product of its time. Like definitely for like, if you put it in the context of when it came out, like yeah, that movie is fucking remarkable. Like, mm-hmm. um, but yeah, just you know, in 2018, I don't think it sits as well i think episode six is pretty dang good um, i like it a lot yeah i, I do too it's prob for me it's probably five eight uh he's doing it five he's eight six it. rogue one do you guys think that the okay well okay let we both we all know that that solo is gonna is gonna make money yeah solo will make yes. money i guess like, it's nothing less than from the toys apparently um Last Jedi like underperformed as much as you can as a Star Wars movie. Hmm. I think I read something about that. But like looking at like okay, Solo's gonna make money, but what do you think do you think that the quote success or like the quantification of the success of Solo is gonna impact what the next movie will be after episode nine? I think that um that like if they haven't already, Disney and Lucasfilm mm-hmm. have got to sort of iron like have have got to iron out their like directorial decisions and like not yeah. getting as involved in shit you know or like letting well, movies letting people well, make the I'm, movies they want to make well since you know? ryan johnson's making a fucking trilogy already like i'm pretty sure yeah. they have a good idea of what they're doing um, right but so yeah, i think the, um let's see, see what i mean the last yeah. jedi only made a, a 1.3 to 1 billion dollars so definitely yeah. a disappointment did that did that is that better than Black Panther? No. Um, well, maybe Lifetime, but opening weekend, no. Um, I don't think. Wow, that's awesome. Uh, I guess I'm just wondering, like, because they're not going to launch right from 9 to, like, 
Johnson's trilogy, right? They're probably gonna gonna squeeze in a side yeah. story again. Um, I wonder, like, do we know what that's gonna be? Could it could it please be a fucking Obi Wan movie? I, yeah, I mean, no the, the, Ewan the McGregor Obi Wan movie is the ideal. Yeah, I um, agree. And Black Panther made one point two eight billion. So it's point zero three billion back. Oh wow! Only thirty million dollars. The big speculation was he he did an, uh, an AMA on Reddit a couple months ago, and I mean, like, regardless of whether or not whether or not they're actually making a movie, it, it was pretty clear that he was actively avoiding any Star Wars questions, probably because he had some sort of NDA. Yeah, and I wonder if he signed that when the new trilogy was. Um, I don't know, because he, he I think he re-recorded some voice lines for the Force Awakens in that like dream sequence or yeah, whatever. No, he he did, I, he the, did. the Ray thing. Yeah. Anyway, I've been trying to end this podcast for a while. I want to play some games with my friends. Um, Can we do that? But you better call them up. <laughs> Funny. Uh, before we end it, though, what have you guys been enjoying that is not video game related? Anime, baby. I finished Queer Eye, and it was so great. Queer Eye is a fantastic show. It was really what I didn't know what I needed. Yeah. I still Mikey? got to Queer Eye. Uh, I've been too busy watching anime, which in its own way is a different version of Queer Eye. That's fair. Um, I'm watching Samurai Champloo again, and that show fucking owns. Um, I've become the world's biggest REM expert. Yeah, Adam Scott. No, I think I actually said that last week or last time. Um, oh boy, they're going to correct it, Brian, and say no. I'm actually Scott Ackerman. Of the two, I'm probably most like Adam Scott, if I had to say. Um, I don't know. I don't have any That's recommendations. Mm-hmm. So yeah, thanks for listening to this podcast, guys. We did it, baby. Uh, it's another one. Yep. In the books. Another one. Do not uh, Do not stop recording. <laughs>